You can edit all this like rambling out. Eh? All of it. Don't okay, worry. Cool. I'm like a really severe editor. <laughs> <laughs> and you've edited out like at least 50% of my arms, just 50%. That's why my podcasts are only half the length of yours, Ben. <laughs> yeah, I just take chunks out but... and then I just have the rest of them I edit the arms. <laughs> Welcome to Rosie on Recruitment, a podcast on recruitment, career, and more. I'm your host, Rosie Nathan, partner and senior sourcing specialist at Customized Talent Group, chief commercial officer at Her Career, chartered manager, and mentor. I'm here with my featured guests, ranging from executives to graduates and candidates to hiring managers, to provide you with valuable insights and tips to help you get the most out of recruitment, whatever side you're on. In this episode, I am joined by Michaela Hopkins, a remarkable woman who wears a number of hats while inspiring and empowering others at all levels of their career. Although we co-host the Her Career podcast together, we don't get a chance in those episodes to dig into the wealth of knowledge Michaela has to offer on both sides of the recruitment discussion. She has worked wonders for so many of our mentees and community members, helping them hunt for dream roles, preparing them for interviews, providing mentoring for negotiating contracts or salary reviews, and as a hiring manager herself, giving crucial points to others that are hiring around what to look for in a prime candidate. I hope you enjoy my Kayla's sharing here. It's my privilege to have her join us. Any time I spend with her, I leave feeling completely uplifted and richer for it. I'm sure you will too. So Michaela, welcome to the Rosie on Recruitment podcast. I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself. I am Kayla Hopkins. I work in a senior leadership position at the Face Place, which is the country's leading cosmedicine center. I have been there for five years and it's really where I was able to sink my teeth into my career. And then of course, with Rosie, we also run her career, which was founded a couple of years ago. We're here to empower and create a million moments for women to accelerate their career, network and money. And so great at all of those things. Thanks, Rosie. Amazing to have you here. So let's dive right in. Can you tell us a bit about your first recruitment experience and how things have changed for you? Yeah, of course. So it's it's an interesting question because I try to rack back all the different experiences I've had with recruitment and there's like a block. Like I remember my one into the face place and everything before that. I mean, I've been working since 12 years old, but I don't remember a single experience. So That's so interesting. so weird. They must have just been, I guess, insignificant. I'll talk to the one that I remember, which was about five and a half years ago I was coming to the end of my university degree and obviously I'm at that point where I was trying to land all the sparkly graduate roles I was getting rejected from every single one which was a little sore a little it hurt a little bit but I'd found a couple of roles one in FMCG and then one at the face place that really spoke to me so they were with products and services that I resonated with I remember the one with the face place it going on so long like I think it was probably over a period of three and a half months from that initial conversation such a long time and feeling really alone in that you're so out of control so there was this other FMCG opportunity that was also coming up and so my window to give them an answer was getting shorter and shorter but I really like the face place was the one that spoke to me because I saw the progression pipeline what I didn't realize until I was actually within the company is they were still trying to get budget over the line for the role this is important though, the things behind the scenes that yeah. as candidates we don't understand either and that organizations can't necessarily disclose. 
Exactly. And I mean, we've got a very long recruitment process as it is, but then couple that with trying to get it over the line created a very long and slow experience. But I I do remember every day waking up, hoping I'll see that next email. You've progressed and we're going to give you a contract. That was my, yeah, my earliest memory of being recruited. And what's changed for you? Because you're now on the other side of the table. What's important in a CV when you receive it? Yeah, it's, it's interesting being on the other side of the table. And I mean, I love that part of my role. I love the onboarding and hiring people and in terms of the CV we get a lot through and I see such a discrepancy between CVs and so I I really do only spend 10 seconds max on one first and foremost like it needs to be a one page to two pages and I want it to be like a snapshot we do not have the resource to be able to comb through it with a fine tooth comb and pick it out and you're doing that manually too yes you're not a recruiter yourself exactly and spelling to me is so huge and it's awful having to be so nitpicky on it but if I see spelling mistakes I associate that with lack of attention to detail often right. that's a really quick way to be beat it out yeah spelling's a big one and I'm personally a cover letter reader yes. I love cover letters and I actually go to a cover letter first before the CV which I know a lot of recruiters don't they go the mm. other way so I guess for that it's best to hedge your bets and do both to a really high standard I agree I think you know a cover letter tells a story yes. it's, it's the blurb to make you want to look at what yeah. the complete kind of highlights are of someone's career. That's the thing, Rosie, and I hate it when it's just a cookie-cutter one, and you can tell straight yeah. away, but I love it when they've taken the time to address who the hiring manager is, where they yes. found the role, whether that was on Seek or through Facebook or whatever it was, and it's like a date. When you don't want them to just speak about themselves, I want to know why you're interested in the face play. So a little bit of flattery never hurts anyone, so saying like, I love the campaign you recently launched, or something to tell me that I am the one person you're dealing with even if you're not you know make it seem like I'm the only company in your world yeah so many great points about making sure that you're taking the time to align who you are and your values with the organization so now that someone's gotten through your very strict criteria of CV what are you looking for from a candidate when you interview so we always do group interviews we never start with a singular one those group settings you just do not have the time or the capacity as a candidate to better sell your story so all I'm looking for is to see how you interact with other people and your interpersonal skills within a group setting. That's what we're actually looking for. And to see like what values or vows stick out for you and how you can apply that to your own value system. It's easy to say when you're on the other side to be confident because interviews are nerve wracking as hell. And I understand that. I think just slowing down and showing up and being yourself as opposed to trying to project what you think that they want. And you can fluff yourself up a little bit but take the pressure off yourself that you feel you've got to try and be somebody else. I think that's an interesting point too because people react to nervousness in different ways. Yeah. So some people can become over talkative and some people can withdraw. It is very telling and I think it's a a lot easier if it's in a a group setting at least you know you're not being highlighted yourself. Yeah you can actually like divert that attention off you if you want. But it's interesting to see like the strong personalities that come out. And then like you said, the people who do take that back seat. And so that's why we forcibly have a process where we ask every single person. So nobody can slide to the back, but it is interesting to see, yeah, how people interact when it's a competitive setting. What's the most frustrating part of the hiring process for you? For me, it's the speed. That's a double-edged sword because for us, culture fit is the most important. Like We can teach you anything we need to, but we can't 
train who you are. And so with that, the speed, it's, you know, you've got two to four weeks of that ad being up and then the initial group interview and then that smaller circle of the, your top candidates and then your final contract offer. So it's a, it does span a long period and we're aware of how long it takes. What is your usual period for that? Depends on the number of candidates you're considering as well, right? Yeah, we usually have about, say, 10 for that first initial group interview. And even the logistics of that can take a little bit to work out. So I'd say from the moment we put that job interview out, it can be yeah, a two-month process. And then generally waiting for someone to be able to be available. Exactly. And the consequence of that is that people and candidates are looking for other jobs. So there has been occasional situations where we've gone to offer someone and we've just been too slow. Because it's an interesting time at the moment, there's an awareness being able to secure a job, let alone your dream job, can be quite difficult in this current market. It is cyclical. It's important that candidates feel they are being taken care of. So even though you might have missed out on that candidate in this particular occasion, they might not have a great experience experience where they're heading. That's the thing. The old lesson of never burn a bridge. How can someone increase their chance of settling into your team well? I think first and foremost is ask questions. Like it's such a simple thing, but you're never going to have that same undivided attention of your leader or your hiring manager or whoever it is within those first 30, 60 days. So like leverage that time. And something else that I think is so important that's not spoken about enough is get out a notepad. And when you see something for the first time within the business, whether that's a process, whether that's a service, customer experience, whatever it is, note down your first thoughts and revisit that in six months time when you understand the business because you're never going to have that first experience again. You see things differently. You know, once you're in the thick of things, you you have a bit of a fog and you don't always see things for that first time. So just noting down little areas where you could improve, I think Mm. is such a powerful tool to be able to hit all of those things in six months time. Use those fresh eyes to your advantage. I love that because I think you're absolutely absolutely right there are things that you just become accustomed to and you make your own band-aids for and then you forget when new people come on board you're already five steps ahead have you had a new hire surprise you and how I don't know if like surprise would be the right word because we like we are so in detail with that process we we feel like we know them for the most part because the long process has advantages as well but I think like I remember hiring this one role for a marketing specialist it was a group interview and she stood out straight away like she was a little older than everybody else she had come in with a shirt and there was like I don't know like wet stains or something on the top of the silk shirt and I subtly was just looking at it and she's like oh I had to change because my kids spilled food on me just from that onset I just remember there was this element of honesty about her that went such a long way and the whole time you know when you're in a group setting people say some funny things and I remember (laughs) watching her and her face sometimes she was she was very polite but there'd be some times where she was like what is this person going on about yeah I just knew straight away she was the one for us and um she worked was one of the hardest working people I've ever had worked for us so she was yeah just amazing I think it's important to not judge straight away as well and to try and hire people who aren't always like you That's such an important point with diversity and inclusion, particularly with COVID and ways of working remotely, that you can gain these different perspectives from people in your team and how they're dealing with it. Yeah, I know there've been conversations with a number of people that I know through different networks, those who have children and don't have children and how they're juggling and what they can deliver and the strengths that they're all managing to leverage within a wider diversity of teams. So really good point there. 
How has COVID impacted your hiring process and recruitment in your business? Wow, how long do you have? That's a great question. We're a customer-facing business, so as soon as we go into lockdown, we go from you know, a thriving business to zero. So yeah. the pandemic was not good to us at all. I was all for the shutdown. It was absolutely what we needed to do as a country, but not kind on client-facing businesses. For yeah. us, you know, the start of this year, we were planning massive growth budgets and hiring X, Y, and Z, but... Hi, 2020. It, yeah. <laughs> oh, 2020, one for the books. So we've definitely pulled back a lot. We were fortunate right. we were able to keep all of our staff, which has been amazing. But we've just changed, mm. I guess, that strategy from a growth one to a maintenance one and just making sure we get through the year and we've got enough cash flow there to get us through if we've got any more lockdowns on the way. But yeah, we're definitely, we don't really have plans right now to do hiring for the rest of the year. In terms of that review, are you looking at that month to month, quarter to quarter? Yeah, it's a month by month. But the weirdest thing is, is you just can't plan for this. After the first lockdown, we had a plan that got side swiped when we went into the second one. So you've yeah. got to kind of have a contingency A, B, C, D, Z, you know? So yeah. yeah, we are. We're reviewing everything constantly. We have to because it's all changing so rapidly. I love the point you make, you know, really understanding where you stand as a business, making sure you have a plan around what those next steps are. And now that we've faced these two lockdowns, you know, you've put this agile plan in place and you can revisit and just tweak now instead of starting from scratch. So, you know, great work to you and your team from the outside looking in and obviously knowing you and had you step into that acting general manager role for a period while still wearing your CMO cap. It's been extraordinary to see how your business has not only survived this but I think come out as a team stronger just from where I'm standing thank you it has it really has I think I don't want to be you know over dramatic but tragedy really does bring people together everybody's gone through financial emotional stress if you can be the backbone to your employees it goes a really long way in um, building other morale yeah respect breeds loyalty right yes absolutely We obviously work on her career together. So I know in my heart you're an advocate for gender pay and fixing the broken rung of allowing women to take that first step into leadership positions and having that promotion happen. What do you think businesses can do better in this area when recruiting? Off the top of my head, I would say there's maybe three. So the first and foremost is blind recruiting. Mm -hmm. I'm actually a really big advocate. We used to ask people to put pictures on their CVs. Granted, we are in the beauty industry, a client-facing industry, but but I reject that idea. I don't any longer think we should have photos on CVs. I don't think we should have some personal details. So I think at that early recruitment stage, removing and omitting those details so that you can just see the experience and skills and see that person on paper for what they can bring. And then the other part is illustrating that growth pipeline. So in those first initial conversations, if recruiters and your hiring managers can actually say, hey, this is where we want this role to go, detailing what that role will grow into, I think mm. it's really important to give people and women as well the opportunity to to have that pipeline and then finally I think transparency around salary bands is really important I know it's part of the process but I don't like it when the question is what is your salary expectation comes through because market 
rate should be paid. It shouldn't be how can we try and get this person on as cheaply as possible. There's a couple of demographics that do get hit really hard there and they're generally women and and young women in particular. We talked about ageism at her career and I am surrounded by a number of capable, highly ambitious, high output delivery women who have to struggle to get an amount that isn't comparable to other people in their businesses that aren't delivering at the same levels. I know that that's going to take some time. It is what is the output. It's the same as the conversation we're having 10 years ago of should you bum be on a seat from nine to five? Can people work anywhere? And I think we've definitively answered that question with COVID and lockdown. Yeah, absolutely. Are there any last words or advice that we haven't touched on, Michaela? Last piece of advice I would like to give is around imposter syndrome because yes, it is something that comes up daily in the conversations I have with women. I I openly share that I face it often. I was hit with it so much when I was appointed with that acting GM role, despite mm. knowing the business for five years. I guess I want to say everybody goes through it and you get hit with it, particularly when you are going through that recruitment process. The one thing I wanted to leave us with is the moment we start telling ourselves that we are not good enough or we're not smart enough is the moment we create a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you don't think you deserve the job, apply for it anyway. If you don't think your idea is worth raising your hand for, ask anyway. And if you don't think they'll reply to your email, send it anyway. We just have to push past it. Yes, acknowledge we experience it all. Pushing past it is so key. Yeah, it might be a moment of discomfort where you're not certain, but the opportunities and the doors that they that can open could be limitless. Yes. And I think that's part of the lesson. The research shows that women will want to fulfill 100% of the categories for yeah. a job application or be promoted, whereas by majority men will be satisfied with completing 60% of that checklist. Really, who cares if you look like a dick for a second? Yeah. <laughs> if you yeah. have the opportunity to step into that role because the organization sees your capability when you're doubting it, it's an opportunity to extend. Absolutely. Growth comes from being uncomfortable comfortable the more uncomfortable moments you have the closer you are to achieving your greatness so get uncomfortable get uncomfortable yes Yes. (laughs) so the question I'll leave you with is what are you going to get uncomfortable about to achieve your greatness to find out more about the amazing work Michaela is involved with inspiring one million empowered moments where women accelerate career money network head over to hercareer.org connect with her on LinkedIn and check out the show notes for more links and helpful details. If you liked this episode of Rosie on Recruitment, please subscribe, review, share with your networks on your favorite social channels and tag me at Rosie Her Career. That's R-O-S-E-Y. I'd love to hear from you with any comments or questions to discuss how I can help you find the best human talent for your organization or to place you in your next dream role. Until next time, remember, be calmer, be kind, be better. Be better.